Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney, Australia. This is going to be a tough one, Larry. I didn't know how we were going to start this, but we'll just discuss it before on air about getting a drink. And I haven't opened my beer, and um, yeah, it is the only way I think I can start um, tonight's episode. Where on earth do we start there? I would say, how are you? But yeah, as usual, that would be a polite question. I don't really care about the answer. I just want to get into the United discussion. It's really kind of you, mate. Um, <laughs> where do we start? Well, we can start with where it finishes, to be honest. Uh, the end result, because results are what matter. At the end of the day, we can sit here all day long and talk about, you should be playing this way, this person should have started, etc. But the reality is, if we win... If we win a football match, if we get to the end of the season and we're holding up a trophy, no one's going to remember how we played to get there. Um, you, do you remember Champions League 99? It was a bloody bludger of a match, let me tell you. But the finish was phenomenal because we won the football match, okay? so And ultimately, Tom, two, three losses in your opening. How many games have we had? Seven? It's not good enough. Yeah, we'll throw on the bounce, obviously, to at Old Trafford. Look, we'll get in. We'll just throw a few comments up before we get into it, and we'll run through what we're going to talk about on the show tonight, because obviously I think there's a lot to discuss, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of comments and opinions in here. But Ryan's in here. Um, we go again. So evening all. Agree, Josh. So many idiots on United stand calling for Oli to go. I don't know where this discussion's going, but I agree already. Oli can't be blamed for missing a penalty. Just a bad day all round with injuries, um, with injuries and individuals not taking chances. Good to see Trev here, mate. Evening, fellas. Uh, let the venting begin. Yep, very much agree. And Mike said, looking forward to it, fellas, without the knee-jerk negativity and hyper-reactionary comments of other so-called vent channels. And look, yes, we do try and keep it sort of level-headed and respectful, but there is no hiding from how yeah, how, how negative the feeling is. Even from us, we're both extremely positive, especially around Dolly. But um, there's a, yeah, a lot to be a lot to be discussed and sort of directed towards Ollie. But Josh saying... Evening, fellas. Crap couple of hours, but on to the next two big games before the internationals. Both must-wins. We thought this was a must-win as well, so see how it goes. It's not doom and gloom when Brighton could be top of the league Tuesday morning. I haven't looked at the table, but that does brighten my day. I saw Leeds didn't win again. So Leeds are down. Brighton your day? I like that. Actually, I didn't pick up on that. Well done. Um, yeah, very good. Yes, I didn't pick up on that, but um, yeah, good to see Leeds back in the relegation zone. Um, not, not a mention of uh, Marcelo Bielsa absolutely blowing it again, but um, fair play. Um, good evening, Ahmad, and we are waiting for Villarreal. That'll be at the end of the discussion, I think. Um, as long as McFred is there, we won't be successful, and I'm sure Fred will be a lot, large part of the discussion. Um, Scott here, our Arsenal fan, um, and obviously host of It's a Football Thing. Um, glad, or not, I wouldn't say I'm glad to see you here, but um, you're obviously very welcome. Make sure You can also put your um, channel It's a Football Thing in the chat, and I urge everyone to go and click on that link. But um, Bruno's penalty just landed in the backyard, boys. I don't feel comfortable taking banter from an Arsenal fan at the moment, to be honest. City, Chelsea, Liverpool, they were up there. I always find it hard to accept, but no, Scott is a good fellow, so go give his channel a follow. And there are a lot of other comments in here, which we'll try to get to a lot of them, but I'm not a computer, so we can't um, get around to all of them. But just Adam from the Supporters Club, evening, mate, and obviously Elliot as well. So, look, we'll get into it, and we'll start on social. We'll get into the game, and obviously later on in the podcast we'll need a lot of sort of help with the um, sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel for three, two, ones. However, oh, thanks, Larry. I was just about to put that up. Uh, done it. It's a two-man job. Thank you for helping. But on that, it's just you have to start on Solskjaer. There's no point going into the game because, okay, the game we lost 1-0 to Aston Villa. Could have played better. Aston Villa were just as bad as United, but, yeah, deserved it on the day. The discussion is around Solskjaer, and rightly so. And I just think I'll get your first thoughts, and we'll sort of dissect little bits here and there. But just your thought, your first thoughts on, look, as the title blow you says, is Solskjaer on borrowed time 
it is very early in the season, but there is a maybe not from the club's point of view or the media point of view, but amongst the fan base, and there are different sections of the fan base, but a loud part of the fan base. Um, our question is, is he on borrowed time? And it's hard to disagree with him at the moment, given how it feels. I think this is the first time, and, and before we, I suppose, before I give my reasoning, I'm not Oli out, and I think that's the first most important thing to say before I before what follows after that. Um, yesterday's performance was the first where it was so clear where he's clearly made a mistake. He was tactically outdone by a manager with an inferior squad. Now, that's going to happen sometimes. But what was really frustrating about this football match, Tom, is we discussed it uh, in the West Ham match in, in the league just a week earlier where we said the side is too narrow. Wonderful talent there, but it's too narrow. It's easy to defend against. I came on here on, I think it was Friday evening when we did our preview, and I said, he's going to go with this. However, this is what I would go with. And I said, I want to see Sancho or Martial starting. He didn't do that. Neither, neither of those two players came onto the pitch. It's too narrow. And I, and then you talk, talk about the midfield behind them, and that's, a, that's definitely something that will come up. But forget forget Fred and McTominay for a second, okay? I don't care who you have out there. If you put Paul Scholes on the left wing yesterday, the same result was going to happen because Paul Scholes, as good as he is, is not a left winger. He doesn't add width to your football side. Paul Pogba is not a winger. He doesn't add width to your football side. All of Mason's best work yesterday was chopping in off the right-hand side. Well, if Mason's coming in, guess what? There's no one on the right-hand side. There's no width. It's easy to defend against. Aston Villa found us out. And that's naive by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ignorance Tom is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. He has to take this one on the chin. It's it's his job on the line. My concern with Solskjaer, and look, we'll get into it, we'll get into all the comments as well, but it's around not so much tactics. I want to ask you about tactics and your opinion on them because, in my opinion, it's team selection. Yes, tactics do play a part, but I think a lot of people say, oh, this is a good tactical manager or this was good tactics or he got his tactics wrong. I think a lot of fans are very naive into what tactics are. A lot of people think, well, we played good football. Okay, the tactics were right. Or we played bad football and we lost. Or the tactics were wrong. I think tactics are extremely complex and only the manager and the players know if they went to plan or didn't go to plan. Um, Very sort of very complex in regards to, okay, the left centre back has the ball and we're defending. Okay, where do we want that left centre back to play the ball and why do we want them to play there? When our right back has the ball and we want to get the ball to the left winger, on the other side of it, how do we make that happen? So it's very easy for us to say, oh, the tactics were wrong. No, we played badly. Um, the team who plays better will look to have the better tactics. So where do you put it on Solskjaer? Because we always say 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, et cetera. And I'm just thinking it's 4-2-3-1, but yeah, at home, to, Aston Villa are a good side, but at home to a club like Aston Villa, and you've got Fred and McTominay, which we'll get into Fred and sort of team selection, but that base of just having two midfielders there and how much that limits us going forward, whether that be with whether that's Paul Pogba or an actual left winger, it does definitely limit us going forward. Just your thoughts on, am I maybe being too lenient on Solskjaer's tactical approach or just your thoughts on that? I think you are, to be honest with you. Um, I, I take your point. Yes, we played badly, but he did get tactically outdone because United did not look like scoring a goal. 27 attempts, one on target. Come on, like... You look at the caliber of players there. Ronaldo got so frustrated that he ended up sprinting and pressing, which is not part of his game. All right. He is the least effective presser in European football. 
okay? And that's not a criticism. That's because he preserves his energy for what he should be doing, and that's scoring goals. But he got so frustrated that he felt some need to get involved. You look at how Bruno skied that penalty, and I'm sure we'll come to that. That's because Bruno was so bottled over over the frustration of what's happening around him that he just lacked composure in, in the final moments. And that's not an excuse. He should do better, but that's the point. So the thing is, Tom, because we're so narrow, he's relying, I saw Adam's comment around, is it not the wingback's responsibility to provide width? Well, yeah, it is. But Aaron Wambasaka takes five touches to get the ball under control. So when you've got a side who's trying to press you from the front but playing such a low block, there's no time for, for that sort of level of ability or lack thereof. And I love Aaron Wambasaka, but this isn't the game for him. Diogo Delo should probably be starting on the right-hand side. If you're wanting to play out the back, you should not be playing Aaron Wambasaka. Then the midfield, Fred and McTominay, they don't transition the ball forward enough. Well, just Where's on that, Dom- before we get into I, I want to, well, we'll get into the midfield, but just I just sent a comment here. Just you mentioned Delo, I wasn't going to bring him up, but Josh just says, What are your thoughts on Delo when he came on? We're going to be seeing a lot more of Delo, obviously, in the Champions League when Wambasaka's suspension kicks in. What do you think of him? Because I thought uh, it was, again, maybe a bit frustrating, but also he's, a, I know he, he sort of comes in, he actually plays quite a lot of football on the left. He's like Brandon Williams on the left. He's not a left winger. Oh, sorry, a left back. He's far mm. better on the right. But um, with Luke Shaw injured and Tellez not looking great in his first return, I'm not sure. I don't even think Tellez was on the bench, I don't think. No, so I'm not sure of his fitness situation. We might be seeing a lot more of Delo. Just a quick 30 seconds on um, his performance yesterday. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't look natural. Like you said, he kept trying to chop in off his right foot because he's right-footed. He'll be playing right back more times than not. I think it's, it's it makes sense when you're thinking of your bench, you're going to carry one fullback. Delo got selected this week instead of Tellez. I think we'll see the Brazilian deployed there if Shaw is not fit midweek. Yeah, well, just a few comments on Shaw there. Adam said Shaw was having a bad day. Yeah, I didn't think Shaw was having a, um, a good game. And yeah, yeah obviously a bad week as well. And Scott um, saying losing Shaw will hurt your attack as well. And while I think I agree because I don't think Shaw was playing well, um, I think I was almost excited to see Delo or potentially in one scenario Alex Tellers coming on, just having that natural left back did, did hurt us, I think. And not only hurt us in terms of that left back position going forward, which we'll get into substitutions a little bit later, but it hurt Solskjaer in regards to having to make those two substitutions. I was having a discussion with a mate of mine today and he's saying, can you believe Solskjaer didn't bring Jaden Sancho on? And I was thinking, well, if he brought Jaden Sancho on, You'd be saying the exact same thing. Why didn't you bring Edison Cavani on? When you have to replace two of your back four through injuries, it does limit your substitutions. You're always sort of going to have to leave some good players on the bench when you're chasing the game. Just one or two more comments before we move into, I think, what everyone's here for and the McFred discussion, or I'll mainly direct it mainly more towards Fred if I can. But um, there was just one more here um, from Ryan saying, watch the game with the Villa fan. He predicted it before they started. They wanted to get to halftime, nil all and try and nick it towards the end. They had a game plan and executed it. And I think the thing with Aston Villa, I think we try and be very polite to opposition and say, oh, they were the better team on the day and they deserved it. Okay, at the end of the day, maybe, but they were woeful. I thought they were just as bad as United. They just happened to get the goal. I thought the quality on display from both teams, at times, Paul Pogba had the ball and there was no one within 10 metres of him. He's thinking, he's got to lose this ball. He lost the ball. McTominay had a three-yard pass to Aaron Wan-Bissaka. No change of balance. It was a clear pass. Wan-Bissaka was stationary. And you're thinking... McTominay's not going to make this pass. He's going to play this out. Two seconds later, he plays it over the side for a throw-in. Ronaldo, the ball's coming towards his chest, and he tries an overhead kick, air swings it, and it hits him in the chest. John McGinn, at times, was bouncing the ball off his knee. That was going out for a throw-in. I would love to get see the stats on throw-ins for this game. I'm sure that was the highest number of throw-ins in an English Premier League match ever. Every second touch went out for a throw-in. And that one time we had a counter-attack, and the ball was passed to Fred. 
And 10 metres before the ball got to Fred, you're thinking, he's not going to control this. And lo and behold, it bobbles and he miscontrols it. And then he has a I bit of a giggle about it. Fred gets the ball in any game. <laughs> but that's the thing. That, that's where I see, yes, Solskjaer is at fault in regards to what you get in Fred and the team selection. And you can say a tactical approach, but you can't account for professional footballers playing that badly. And Aston Villa as well, I thought it was a shocking game in regards to quality. Apologies for not getting to all the comments, but we'll try and get to a few of them as well. I just want to discuss Fred before we sort of move off topic and sort of lose track of everything we're talking about. Because I think we've almost titled the podcast in regards to team selection will ultimately cost Solskjaer his job. I'm definitely not Oli out. If someone's Oli out, fair enough. That's a valid opinion, especially after a game like that. But I do look at my concern with Solskjaer. It's not a tactical thing. It's not a management thing. And this is just as important maybe, but it's a team selection thing. He's picking Fred. He has a trust with Fred. Fair play to him. He's the manager. It's well within his right. But I can just see scenario now with that constant selection, that will be what ultimately costs me. Not tactics, not an approach, not mentality. It'll be the constant selection. I don't want to lay it all on Fred, but when you have better footballers in Donny van der Beek, Nemanja Matic, you can bring Paul Pogba into the midfield. I really think having those players instead of Fred um, would obviously be beneficial. And I think if he keeps keeps continuing to pick Fred, I'm not saying I'm going to turn it, I'm going to be Oli out. But in six months' time, um, if results keep going this way, it would be hard to argue. I agree with you, mate. Um, look, and you know, it's really frustrating with Fred because if you look at his work off the ball yesterday, I can't count the amount of – I'd love to see how many interceptions he made. He wins the ball high up the pitch, and he does well in that respect. His energy, his work rate, it's definitely there. But it's not enough to be a Manchester United midfield player. He's – He's so poor on the ball. And if you look at where did United ultimately fail yesterday, it was failing to get the ball to the players in positions where they can make an impact. Ronaldo, I can't rec- I can't recall a dribble. I-, I don't know if he even touched the ball the second half. If he did, it was him coming deep to just get involved. Bruno was frustrating. Pogba didn't get a lot of space and time. It was just shocking, Tom. The- and forget Fred's work rate. And I'm going to loop McTominay in a little bit here as well. I don't know if he's fit or not, but he will, He looked so off the pace yesterday, McTominay. The, the game almost passed him by. It was almost like he was invisible. I'm not going to say he went hiding or anything, but that midfield is so limited. And if I'm being honest with you, I thought the best midfielder on the pitch was John McGinn. He, he was attacking. He got forward, energetic. Well, we, we were he walks saying into that, our um, midfield. We were saying in regards to transfer markets a couple of months ago when we were doing these shows and podcasts, and McGinn's name was thrown up because he's Scottish and United need a midfielder and the connection with Sir Alex Ferguson and Darren Fletcher. We'll say, okay, you can understand him for keeping Fred. However, if it was a game of FIFA and you could just transfer players, McGinn for Fred would be absolutely perfect, kind of similar players. But John McGinn just sort of has that ability, ability over Fred. Fred can offer this, offer that, but he doesn't offer ability. And Man United need ability in the midfield, which we just don't have. Um, just one or two more comments where, where George has mentioned that in regards to Scott McTominay as well. But Scott's saying congratulations on the 200 subs. Thank you, mate, very much. Um, Ahmad, uh, where was his point here? Um, oh, on Shaw and Maguire, sorry. Ahmad saying Shaw and Maguire haven't had the best start to this campaign. I completely agree. I think Maguire was poor again. And Luke Shaw, I don't think, has hit the ground running this season. It'll be interesting. Hopefully not out for too long. But their injuries obviously will be of concern to Solskjaer. Um, Trevor's well saying cash on the right for Villa had me worried every time he's gone forward. And I think a lot of that one, one, he's a good footballer, but I think it was down to what Larry was saying earlier. Having Pogba on the left obviously limits us going forward, but you don't know what his defensive capabilities are on the left. Even if he is out there, a lot of the time he is sort of defending inside, which gives that right back 
um, a little bit more space, which is one thing tactically I would point at Solskjaer. If, if your right back is getting forward, if the opposition right back is getting forward, one of your tactical approaches is to sort of shore up that left-hand side defensively, which we don't seem to do. But um, Ryan here, Mason came across as greedy yesterday, trying to make things happen, yes, but he needed to pull it back um, twice from memory and it's two goals for us, just one bad. Just a bad one for all 28 shots created. And just on that Mason Greenwood bit, um, before we get into just one more discussion around Solskjaer, that is where I look at it and think, yes, Solskjaer is to blame for this and that. However, in regards to execution, if now it was hard for Greenwood, the one way everyone's thinking about where he should have played Ronaldo in, when Greenwood looks up from Greenwood's position, it must well look like Ronaldo was offside. So you can understand Greenwood not playing that pass. But let's say one of those Greenwood shots go in or he does play Ronaldo and Ronaldo puts it in or Bruno Fernandes puts the penalty in. We're having a completely different discussion if we win that game. Obviously, not the Bruno Fernandes penalty. That makes it a draw. But one or two chances we had, um, I think Ronaldo had sort of an opening in the first half as well. If the execution is right and the players make the right decisions in in regards to quality, we're not having the discussion. Yes, we could have concerns. We could say, oh, this is something to look at in the future in regards to tactics and team selection. But ultimately, we're sitting top of the table and Solskjaer's job security is not a discussion. But because the players have let him down in regards to execution of the skill, we are pointing at the manager for something that's not in his control. I'm not going to agree with you on that one, mate. And yes, look, I do partially agree if Mason was less selfish. But if we want Mason to be this lethal striker that we're all talking about, he needs to learn how to be selfish. But it's just when you're... If Greenwood puts two of those in the goals, we win 2-0. Are we having a discussion about insulting on borrowed time? And on another day, Mason does put those away. But let's look at the game fundamentally over the 90 minutes. We're nitpicking these scenarios because we don't create enough opportunities. Manchester City in the same game, I'm telling you, would create 20 more goal-scoring opportunities than we did yesterday. We're not creating enough. And that's because of the setup. Now, again, I'm not Oli out. But this, this result, I'm putting squarely at the manager's feet. He chooses the players. He chooses the Fred, the McFred combination. And it's the most unappealing burger that McDonald's could ever sell because no one would buy it. And then on top of that, he's playing his best midfielder in a left wing position. And he's playing a fullback who, with all due respect, and again, this isn't me trying to dig Aaron Wambasaka out, but if you want to play out the back, which again is the instruction of the manager, you can't play someone who doesn't know how to take one touch and pass. This one's on Ollie, mate. It's on Ollie. Yeah, no, look. I'm not, I'm not blaming it on Ollie, and he has huge. Yes, he's ultimately the one responsible. But it's about team selection for me. It's not a tactical approach. It's not he's a good manager, and part of, obviously a huge part of it, his management is the team selection. So it's a huge part. It's almost what he is judged on. So I've, I fully accept that and understand that. But I've been a player, and Fred should be able to make a five-yard pass. Okay, Solskjaer shouldn't pick Fred, but Greenwood should make a better decision. As I say, if we're going to get a better manager, get Jose Mourinho back. Mason Greenwood's on loan to Brentford, as you say. So these are prices you have to pay, a balance you have to weigh up every time you sort of pros and cons with a manager or a player. And I just think players do need to take responsibility. We're pinning it all on Solskjaer. And I understand he it's far easier to sack one person than it is to sack 26 players. But as I said, I've made this point before. I've never been on a football pitch and come up and said that was the manager's fault. Managers know because they've been players and players know it is the players' faults. Yes, I'm sitting here and we're talking about Solskjaer and rightly so. And the, the, every opinion about him is valid. Um, especially ones that maybe he's not the right man for the job. But I can't blame a result purely on the manager. For me, players have to take responsibility. Of course. Look, in any result, always, there's always a portion of blame goes to the manager, a portion goes to the players. It's never one person's result. Ollie's not out there running around. So, and again, like you said, if Mason takes his opportunity, if 
if Bruno buries the penalty, which nine times out of 10 will tell you he does. Yeah, we're having a different conversation here. But look, that still would have been a draw. We still wouldn't be happy. Um, look, th there's no right or wrong here. I think it's with Oli, it's going to be a case of we, we need to wait until the end of the season before we assess him. I don't think it's fair to say sack him now. I don't think it's fair to say bring someone in mid-season because then that manager even would be saying, well, I need my own players. I need time to settle in. I need time to put my you know, my philosophy in place. So th this call for Oli out immediately is not the solution. Um, well, just, he, uh, just on that, before we, before we move on, I was going to move on to the penalty and I'll get the comments in one second, but get your thoughts in, in the comments in regards to this as well. On Ollie out, it's a thing. While I don't agree with it, I can fully understand and respect someone's opinion. Not calling Ollie out, I don't respect that. But if you think we're better off with a change of manager, having that opinion is fine. Calling for the manager to be sacked, just don't do it. You're an idiot. Okay, have an opinion. It's probably the correct opinion. Maybe deep down, maybe I'm too biased to sort of accept it. But don't be calling Ollie out. Don't be putting hashtags on the internet. It just makes yourself look stupid. But it is a thing in regards to the job security. And we are looking at Solskjaer's sort of position as manager. And I just look at it, and I've had this discussion with you. For me, it, it's half a question. It's half the debate. Sack the manager. Okay, sack the manager. Are we bringing Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp in? Fantastic. Okay, sack the manager. Sack the manager and Steve Bruce or Alan Pardew's coming in. Well, then I'm not sacking the manager. You can't just say sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What is the, who is the next manager? There needs to be a plan. You can't just say, oh, get rid of him. What happens if we get David Moyes or Louis Van Hal or Jose Mourinho back? Or as I said, a Steve Bruce. Then it's the wrong decision. If there's a better manager out there, there's a, one or two people may, might have an opinion that's Conte or Zidane, 50-50, um, whether that's opinion correct or not. But it's half the debate for me sacking the manager. Yeah, 100%. If Conte came in and you're frustrated at Oli now, trust me, if you have hair, you won't have hair after watching an Antonio Conte coach Manchester United. You think Jose's football was boring? No idea. Those calling for Conte don't have a clue. The, the only ones you could make a case for is... Um, um, his name's escaping me. Uh, I'd be Leipzig manager. He went to Bayern Munich, didn't he? Has he already gone? Someone in the comments will know. You're thinking Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, yeah. So you could make a case. You I'm could make a case there, Munich. obviously. Sorry? Yeah, I think I'm he has gone to Bayern, Bayern Munich. Munich. I think. But you could only make a case, my point is, for a handful of managers. So probably uh, Nagelsmann, probably Jurgen Klopp, okay? It, obviously, he's not going to come from Liverpool to United. Pep Guardiola, who's not going to leave Manchester City. And really, the only realistic one, right, if Oli got, was getting sacked tomorrow, I swear to you, Brendan Rodgers would probably be top of the list. He's Look, I don't have a list yet. I'm not at that stage. But I was going to say that, and sometimes that sounds stupid in terms of mentioning his name. It's obviously the way things happened at Liverpool, but he wants the United job. Um, so there is a passion, there is a desire there. And look, he has won something with Leicester City, so fair play to him. It's obviously a very good achievement to win a team, to win a trophy with that Leicester City team. So, um, yeah, I don't have a list yet, but um, if my opinion changes in the next six months and Brendan Rodgers sort of has a good season, um, he definitely would be making my list. But we'll just have one or two comments here before we get into more of the football side of things and the penalty and the 3 2 ones, but just a few comments here. Again, we'll try and get to as many as we can. Uh, but Machiavelli saying Bruno and Ronaldo won't let us sink to mediocrity um, Solskjaer levels. They're winners and have a winning mentality. Bruno should be a captain. Well, I agree on the first bit, but I'm, I've always made my feelings clear um, about Bruno as captain. I think that's a recipe for disaster. But um, look, he obviously had the captain's armband at the end, unfortunately, um, the penalty, which we'll get into in a sec. But Mike Greenwood isn't a right winger. Pogba's not a left winger. Is Oli trying to make square pegs? fit round holes, which is another part of my where I struggle. One of my questions regarding Solskjaer, whether he's brave enough to drop Paul Pogba. I'm not saying dropping Paul Pogba is the right answer, 
But if he wants to play Fred McTominay, which I disagree with, well, you drop Paul Pogba. Like, I have a natural left winger. And ultimately, it's very hard. It's very very easy for me to sit here and say drop Pogba. Um, if you're the manager and you've got someone on 400 grand a week um, and a big sort of personality, a World Cup winner. Um, but Solskjaer, that's why he's the manager. He has to make those big decisions, which at the moment, a criticism of him is maybe not making those decisions. Um, Param saying here, game plan execution matters. But in this day and age, the quality of the game plan is not good enough. And that, for me, is down to the coaching. I think the coach, the, the coaching, that's another debate in regards to Solskjaer as the manager. The coaching debate is another thing in regards to Mike Phelan, um, Kieran McKenna, Michael Carrick. Maybe that is something that should be changed before Solskjaer or it's a collective. Unless we're on the training ground, it's very hard to know. But when we do look at you know, huge progression, um, we do maybe have to look at the training ground. But Trev also saying, not just Sol McFred, but a lot of players are guilty of putting pressure on each other but not freeing themselves up to take a pass, even throw-ins. The throw-ins got me yesterday. Um, as I said, there must have been 50 throw-ins in about a five-minute period. I've just seen a whole heap of comments. Apologies for not getting to all of them. But we need to move on with the show and get on to a bit of football and Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo. This was always going to happen. And I look at football gods and I've said football narratives. I said it with the day Ronaldo signed. Face it, Reds, we're missing our first penalty. That's going to happen, whether it be Ronaldo or Bruno. There was a big narrative around Solskjaer coming out midweek talking about penalties. There's a big media thing. We haven't been given the penalties. When we got awarded, I didn't even celebrate. I said, whoever's taken this is going to miss. I thought it was going to be Ronaldo. I thought he was going to take it and miss. Just your thoughts. Or am I putting too much on it? Should we look at a penalty like that and think Bruno should do better? Or do you put it down to almost you do have a little bit of faith in these so-called footballing gods and just it was written in the stars? Mate, I actually think Bruno felt... Ronaldo's shadow on him when he took the penalty. That's what I'm thinking. Because, like, Ronaldo would have wanted that penalty, undoubtedly. And I'm sure he's come in and I'm sure they've discussed it um, between him, Oli, and Bruno. And they've probably come to an agreement. Bruno's our penalty taker. He's doing so well, etc. But they're just – and I don't know. Maybe this is just me and how I've how I've perceived the situation. It just – I fe- almost felt Ronaldo's shadow was over, was over Bruno's shoulder – as he lines that up, Bruno never goes for power. That was just simply frustration. He's a placement penalty taker. It was so strange. It, it was really odd. And it'll be really interesting now. I think Ronaldo will then take the next one. I think it's as simple as that now, unfortunately. I think it's a hard one. Where sort of, I think because of the frustration, because of the timing, because of the way the result and, and because also how bad the penalty was, it missed by about 30 metres sort of thing. But I think we're almost over-analyzing it. He scored, I think it was 21 out of 23 penalties type thing. If you want to celebrate the 21 penalties that go in, the price you're going to have to pay is you're going to miss an important one here or there. I remember Ruud van Nistrooy at the other end of the pitch hitting the crossbar against Arsenal. And if that the ball doesn't hit the crossbar, Arsenal don't have an invincible team. That's how football works sometimes. So good players miss penalties. If you do want to celebrate the penalties when they go in, um, when 20 in a row go in, you're going to have to unfortunately pay the price. So I've got nothing against Bruno. I saw he came out with a type of apology. Why, um, Why do one, players feel the need to do that? It's so uh, sad that he needs but, to do that. But, but, uh, I think there's one there's one player who doesn't need to say anything after a game um, since Bruno Fernandes. I don't know what shape we were in before he came in. I think it was after that Burnley game, uh, which was one of the times where my patience was tested with Solskjaer. But Bruno turned it around instantly like that. So it will be interesting. I just sent a comment here. Adrian, good friend of ours from over in Perth, saying, serious thoughts, guys. 55 shots in two games and no goals who's really at fault, which is one of the things I do look at um, when I talk about players taking responsibility. You do have to look at that and think, well, say those goals go in. We're not having a discussion. Um, George saying Bruno must have been flustered for him not to do the traditional leap. I think there's been a few penalties. I think the last-minute penalties, I look at the one against Brighton as well, 
after the full-time whistles. I don't think he's doing a leap in injury time. Um, even if it's an important penalty, he'll do it. But an important penalty in injury time, um, when not the season's on the line, but an important situation, I think even him, he knows not to do a penalty. Even he scored against um, Martinez a year ago or so as well, and he didn't yeah. do a run-up, he didn't do a leap then as well. He just smashed, sort of smashed it into the bottom corner. So it was one, yeah, but Prem saying the same thing here. So I have no issue with him missing the penalty. It happens. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it is the price you pay. Um, just one or two more. Michael saying, how many of those 55 shots were quality, though? Well, that's another discussion where they have those. I don't buy into it, but it is part of the game now in terms of expected goals. There are shots, but then you look at the quality of shots, where they were taken from, etc. And um, just one more move uh, comment here saying, Ahmad, presser situation. I never expect the hop and skip. He scored penalties without it before. So actually, one thing, I just saw his name. I forget who commented. It was about 10 comments up. Obviously not at fault for the result at all. I want to just, because my frustration is high, I want someone to blame besides Man United and Solskjaer. I want a bit of a rant about the referees. John Moss and Mike Dean, two games in a row we've had them, and they're not at fault for the result. United have to take responsibility. We've been having deserved to win the two games, so the referees aren't at fault. But they just do not do not understand the game. They do not understand what the opposition are doing, one, in regards to wasting time. And I just think from a fitness thing, or John Moss is a fitness thing, maybe not so much Mike Dean, but are you laying anything at the frustration in regards to the referees or am I just clutching at straws? Because I think they have been woeful. Oh, look, you'll never... And, and, and it's, it's, not to take, it's not to, to put, put blame on them or anything, but let's face it, they have been woeful. Look, I get that. Um, my, I didn't have For too much days. of an issue with Mike Dean yesterday, if I'm being honest. I didn't think he was... I didn't think it was the perfect – look, it definitely wasn't a free-flowing game by any means. I saw Solskjaer's comments post-match saying a good game for the neutrals. Mate, I don't know what he was talking about. It was a bloody boring But there was one again where Emmy, Emmy Martinez had the ball – counted as well, had the ball for 24 seconds. That's the frustration. Holding, holding that I agree with. And you think 24 seconds – and then there was one a player sort of started a push and shove in injury time. And he, he goes over to sort of deal with the play in terms of stopping that push and shove. The push and shove wasn't a push and shove. It was simply to get the referee over to waste a little bit more time. And because the referees haven't played the game at that level, he doesn't realize what the player is doing. It's not a push and shove to get the better of Cavani. It's to get the referee's attention to stop the play. And that just eats away 30 seconds, 40 seconds, etc. So I think an understanding, and again, referees don't have to play at that level, but they do need an understanding of the game, which a lot of them at that level just don't have. And um yeah, maybe just frustration. Obviously, I'll not have that discussion if we win. But John Moss as well. He doesn't pass the fitness requirements, and that's there's no way he does. So he's getting into the referee and sort of paternity based on his connections because there's no way he can physically match those or sort of pass those requirements. So if there's anyone in the Premier League ranks looking for a new boss of the referees, Tom Simpson is clearly putting his hand up. He's got the expertise. He's got the tactical well, the, the, now. The, refer- the referee boss last week didn't think the one on Ronaldo was a penalty. Oh, look, that referee was just a straight bellend. He needs to get his eyes straight. He needs an optometrist, a therapist. He needs a few things done. But, look, Tom, all I'm saying is I think you should be coach of the referees. You come on here, you talk about them every week. I personally hate talking about referees. So, look, mate, if you're looking for a new career, I know we're in lockdown. I think you should put your application forward. Uh, I'll do a better job than them, that's for sure. George saying if VAR, VAR is consistent, Villa's goal would have been ruled out. Look, yeah, but that's the thing. Even I look at a decision like that. It's not a disallowed goal for me. While it technically might be offside, you can't blame anyone for that um, thing. And I'm doing my best, Machiavelli. Great deflection. I will always deflect to the referees um, after a disappointing loss. You're not a true football person if you're not um, deflecting to the referees. Just look, we all love Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes was this far from blaming the referee for the penalty going over the bar. And that's what a footballer does. 
but we will go on to scraping the bottom of the barrel in three, two, ones. And oh. we had the discussion last week. Can we take points off? And I, I feel I don't know the situation where we can do that because if we take three points off someone, does that mean take it off? Not, just we're not giving we three points to someone else. So I think we need to work out a system. So we'll do our best to um, get the three, two, ones out. So get your thoughts in the comments um, in regards to who you thought was least worse. Three names pop up for me in regards to potential. I know I've lost one nil, but David De Gea thought made a few good saves. I thought some of his back pass, uh, his passing out wasn't fantastic at times. Put us under a lot of pressure. Again, something I put on the players, not not the manager. If De Gea passes to a red shirt, we're playing out from the back fine. But if he passes to a white shirt, well, that's suddenly poor playing out from the back. The players need to take responsibility. But De Gea, I thought, made a few good saves. And Juan Basaka defensively, I thought, was fine. Maybe a little bit frustrating, I get it. And again, maybe just he wasn't horrible like the rest of the players. Rafael Varane, I thought, obviously does look a lot better than Harry Maguire, which maybe is not enough for points, but um, he does stand out as a hell of a defender. So that will be the three names for me in regards to De Gea, Juan Bissaka and Varane. But um, get everyone get your comments in and obviously your thoughts, Larry. Yeah, um, I'd agree with those three. I thought I thought Varane was really good. Um, I had a chat with my girlfriend who does not know a lot about football. Um, and she was trying to tell me that Rafael Varane was frustrating. I was like, what are you talking about? I thought he's been one of our best players. And I thought he was good yesterday. Um, I thought he was really stable. And I tell you what, he protects Maguire a hell of a lot. I I don't know what's going on with Harry, but he's off the pace. And can I say, actually, Lindelof, we looked better on the ball when Lindelof came on and he replaced Maguire. He was progressing the ball better from that, from oh, the, no, the look, look, Harry Maguire is better than Lindelof for me, but Lindelof's a better footballer. If you're playing a five-a-side game, who's a better footballer? It's not, it's not a debate. Victor Lindelof's a far better footballer than Maguire, but obviously defending is two sides of the game, both attacking and defending. But yeah, Maguire has been off the pace this season, I think, along with Luke Shaw, and not only off the pace, but they're sort of it's highlighted when you see how good Rafael Varane is. You think, geez, Maguire's off the pace, and he's that much not worse than Varane, but Varane's that much better. So I think it is mm. highlighted. But just a few comments here saying Ahmad's gone three for one Bissaka, two for De Gea. And Machiavelli's gone one for De Gea, two for one Bissaka, three for Greenwood. Greenwood is a hard one because he was so close to being phenomenal and scoring all these goals. But then also, well, he's not cost United. Obviously, he hasn't cost United, but it's so frustrating think what could have been. Um, yeah. George also saying three for one Bissaka, two for De Gea, one for Fred because it's the best we'll see from him. And that's the thing. As bad as Fred was... I do look at it. It's kind of it was quite good for Fred. I thought, like, and he wasn't good. But I'm just thinking, well, are we actually? I know George may be a little bit tongue in cheek there, but would we see better than Fred? Well, sorry, would we see better from Fred? Because really, I can't think of too many performances where I think he was much better than that. Really, all, all the frustrations were there, but he actually wasn't that bad by his standards. Come on, I'm not giving yeah, well, Fred. Please. But, but besides that, but no, of course, no, it's tongue-in-cheek, but I'm saying, well, that was quite a good performance by Fred. I know the frustrations no, were well, sort of highlighted. Garbage. No, no, no he was Fred. good against Leeds. He was good against Leeds. He's good against Leeds because we won 6-2. Yeah, Fred's good when there's a back-and-forth game. When Fred's getting pressed, that's where his lack of footballing ability comes out. So yeah, no, there is a time for Fred, to... but, but not every week in the Premier League, Ollie. Thanks, George, for throwing that grenade in there. But um, Adam saying three for De Gea, even the ship pass, two points for Greenwood of Ron having to go, one point um, for a set piece coach for Villa, which which I thought was an interesting one because <laughs> we're not one that's for the commentator. The commentator <laughs> didn't say one. that. Um, no one's having that discussion. Uh, the set piece was co- the set piece coaches um, took all the highlights of that last ten minutes. The camera have a 
had a bit of a fetish for all three or two of them. But um, Adrian here from Perth saying three losses in four will slap Villarreal, which we'll, we'll get into Villarreal in the next episode. <laughs> football narratives and football gods. I can't see how we beat Villarreal. And if we're not beating Villarreal, because evidence says we don't, even with Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Wayne Rooney, Prime Ronaldo sort of thing, we don't beat Villarreal. I don't know what the discussion is then, because if we lose two from two in the Champions League, are we getting out of that Champions League group? And if we're not getting out of that Champions League group, that is when you look at even contractually, it might be an issue for Solskjaer and his job security. Oh, stop it, Tom. That's that's grief I don't need on a Sunday night. I've already got the Sunday anxiety for work tomorrow, please. Well, Josh agreed with me. He didn't think Fred was that bad, but um, yeah, he had a few of the beverages as well. But um, just one or two more as well. Prem saying, Fred has been involved in a lot of our recent goals, surprisingly. says a lot about our system and maybe the importance of a high-energy midfielder. There's always the importance of a high-energy midfielder, but just a high-energy midfielder that can play football. Um, Fred struggles with the football part. But we are going on to 3 2 one so we're not going on to. We're struggling with finding them. Was there any names? One Basako's name I saw a fair bit there. De Gea. Had, didn't, didn't see Varane's name, but we are both quite impressed with Varane. But... Would you be settling for those three names? Any particular order? Yeah, I think De Gea made some good saves. Uh, he, he nearly forced one to be conceded, but he cleaned yeah. he cleans his own mess up. Um, I think De Gea for three points, clearly our best player. In terms of doing his job right, I think De Gea is a good shout. Um, agree with Juan Basaka. Defensively, really good with the ball. Not great, um, but that's what Juan Basaka is. And I think one point Varane is... The fair way to go because he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, no, look, I think that's about where we should do it, De Gea, Wan-Bissaka and Varane. It's unfortunate, but we always do try our best to scrape that bottom of the barrel for those 3-2-1s. But we will have a preview of the Villarreal match. Um, Hopefully we might have a guess for that, um, fingers crossed, or time will tell, but definitely before a Champions League game while we're still in the competition because God knows how long that might be over quite soon. But hopefully we do have a sort of long European campaign ahead of us, but time will tell. But is there anything else you want to mention in regards to that game or Solskjaer or any of the players before we wrap up? No, just get behind the team, you know. Whether you are you feel you're – I hate saying this, Oli in, Oli out, garbage. But if you think Oli should be in the job, if you don't think he should be in the job, if you don't think some players are good enough, get behind the team. We all want them to win. That's a, that's our commonality. And let's support them. Let's just hope that a positive result comes midweek. And that can change the mood very quickly, Tom. A win changes everything very easily. I think that is the thing. That's all I would say to Man United fans, and not that we're talking to hundreds of thousands of people, but it is if your opinion is Solskjaer should be sacked or, or go, that's fine. Valid opinion. And as I said, a lot of the times we have discussions and deep down we maybe probably agree with you. However, throwing it all out on social media, sack the manager, he's no good, he's a coward, he's useless. That's not a Man United fan. Okay, you can have the opinion, 100% valid, and you're probably right. But you're a Man United fan. You have to support. And look, you can criticise, obviously, but throwing sort of nonsense out on social media just adds fuel to the fire, which ultimately trickles through the media, which trickles down to the players, which doesn't help their on-pitch performance. So, and again, I may be a little hypocritical because we're talking about Fred in sort of such a manner. But I think I think when people bounce on this thing on Twitter in regards to this Ollie out nonsense, I just don't see how it helps um, the team performing. But look, the game is about opinions, and I'm sure we'll be having another discussion about it after the Villarreal game. But hopefully a more positive discussion. But Josh is saying something very positive here, which I've just found out. And I'll make sure everyone, after you've listened to this, make sure you obviously go and Sir Alex Ferguson is on the Man United podcast tomorrow 
on the Man United app. And I think on podcast apps, it'll come out on maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. But that will be, I'll be fascinated to see how they do that, Larry. Um, whether it's a one part, what what topics they talk about, because you could talk to them for a whole day, how they're going to fit it into an hour or two hour podcast, like what sort of topics they're going to be touching on. So your thoughts on that podcast coming up? Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, look, I hate to say it. I, I like MUTV. Um, I said they've put out some really good podcasts, but I think anything satire or superly interesting or controversial will be left out. In saying that, it's the great man. Um, I'm sure there will be something awesome to come out of it, no doubt. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll definitely be tuned in. Also, make sure you – it's on the MUTV app, um, also the Man United app, 24 hours before podcast app. So make sure you got that downloaded to give it a quick listen before we go live next. Obviously, is it a Wednesday morning or Thursday morning game for us? Thursday morning. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Tuesday we'll do a preview sort of thing. Um, as I said, fingers crossed we might have a guest, but time will tell. If not, um, we'll definitely have them on before another Champions League game. But um, first of all, thank you, everyone, in the chat um, for all your comments. Apologies if I didn't get to them all, but they were, they were flying in. Obviously, after a loss, it is very sort of intense and passionate. So apologies if I didn't get to any comments, but we truly appreciate the difference of opinions because there were a lot of different opinions there, which is always good to sort of gauge. And um, Larry, as always, always a pleasure to chat to you, mate. Yeah, mate. Likewise, um, like I said, keeping the positive vibes, I'm going to go cook me some dinner and God knows I'm fat, so food always makes me happy, mate. If you're feeling sad, go eat a burger. And after you eat the burger, could you please make sure you subscribed, obviously, and obviously like the video, but we truly appreciate all the support and we'll chat to you in a day or two up for Villarreal. So have a good one, everyone.